Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday. I think I need to do one of those recap things. You know when you watch the Thorn Birds only you come in on like segment number 10 and they do the first nine so that you know what happened? I, well, I think I need to do that today. So we're, we're doing back to basics and we're covering the first four chapters of the Science of Mind textbook. So, so we've already got the first three. The first week we learned about the thing itself, the thing being God. And what we learned was, well, that it's everything. I mean everything. So every person, every place, everything, every situation, that which is invisible, that which is visible, really our definition of God is everything, no exceptions. And the reason that's important is in week two, we talked about the way it works. Well, it, God, works through us because we're part of that. We are made out of that same God stuff. We are part of that divine energy and part of that divine activity that is God. So week two, what uh, the way it works is through us. Our activities are on behalf of God. Now I know some of you are saying, gosh, that thing that I did that other day didn't seem maybe entirely like it was on God's behalf. Um, <laughs> But I, but I would suggest to you that as we are part of the divine, even those things that don't seem so divine are still part of God as well. Now, it may be that we have chosen poorly, as sometimes, as sometimes we do, but it doesn't mean somehow that God is diminished. Simply, our choices sometimes could use improvement. All right, uh, then last week we talked about what it does. Well, very simply, it, meaning God, responds to our thinking. In fact, we have a, a kind of a catchphrase in Science of Mind that our thoughts become things. Now, it may be that uh, some thoughts just kind of breeze in and breeze out, but I will tell you that thoughts and beliefs and consciousness uh, uh, patterns that we have for any length of time absolutely are productive. And by productive, I mean, we just start seeing more and more of it in our lives. Now that, of course, is a good news and a bad news situation. The, the good news is that when we have reoccurring thoughts of love and light and joy and peace and happiness, what a sweet life it is. Because those thoughts become things. Our, our present thoughts become our, our future experience. But, but the bad news is, what about when we're having uh, thoughts that aren't so wholesome? What about when we're having thoughts of despair or lack of, of pain or sorrow? Unfortunately, those thoughts also are productive. Those thoughts also become things. And when that happens, our lives are not the way we would choose to have them. But the principle is the same. And so if we wish to improve our lives, and, and, and here's kind of where I left off last week, is if we want to improve our lives, we have to improve our thinking. So that's where I'm going to start with today, the idea of improving our thinking. And, uh, you know, first of all, I think we got some choices here on, on how we handle this. And I want to try one of them out on you uh, from the get-go. First of all, I think we can improve our thinking by simply stopping some of the thinking 
that we have right now. <laughs> and let me, let me give you just a few examples. Um, do any of you ruminate? And, and, and uh, you know, it's named for what cows do. So you can imagine that from the get-go that it may not be something that we want to do very often. And you'd be right. Because ruminating is the idea of replaying something in our heads over and over again. Just like a cow chewing its cut out in the field. And usually, what are we replaying? I would love it if it was like something that was sweet and happy, but most Americans, when we ruminate, it's replaying some negative situation that we've had, imagining, well, if only I would have said that, then the boss wouldn't have blown up at me. If only I wouldn't have hung up on her, maybe we'd still be friends. If, if only, <laughs> well, it could happen. If, <laughs> if only I would have chosen my words more carefully, if only I wouldn't have done that, if only I hadn't been on the bus that day, if only I would have just stayed home in bed, right? We replay those over and over again, and they're not really productive. In fact, uh, in fact, psychologists will tell you that it will simply reinforce that negative picture of yourself in your mind the more you ruminate. It also uh, can provoke anger in us. Uh, uh, a whole variety of negative happenings can come from ruminating. But, but think uh, again about the principle, the creative principle of God that we talked about last week. The more you ruminate around something negative, the more you're replaying the negative thought, the more likely you are to have similar things happen to you in the future. So if we can stop ruminating, and I'll give you a couple hints on how to do it, just stopping some of our negative thinking, a tremendous benefit. Well, first of all, uh, if any of you know me very well, you will have had occasion to just hear from my office or, or from my home or even down here in the sanctuary. Suddenly you'll hear Larry say, stop! Well, and it isn't necessarily that you've done anything. <laughs> One of the things that I actually find useful is to verbalize the idea, no, this is enough. I do not need to think about this any longer. I'm turning it over to God. God's going to take care of this situation. And frankly, if I've been ruminating about it, God is going to do a much better job than I'm likely to. So just stop. Just stop it. Now, some of you may be saying, well, Larry, aren't there occasions when we need to think about negative things? I mean, if I'm ever, ever, ever going to pay that library fine, um, <laughs> I guess I better think about it. And so here I want to teach you the, and this is a really important difference between just thinking about something negative and ruminating. So, so of course, we have bills that we have to pay. We have doctor visits that we have to meet to, to go on. There are all kinds of things that we might not prefer to do or prefer to think about that could be on the negative side. No big deal because we think about them in a way that's productive, right? If I think about actually putting the books in the car, next time I drive by the library, they have a better chance of getting there. So no problem with that as kind of a negative thing. Oh, Larry, get the books in the car and then you, right? It's kind of part of our planning. No problem with uh, paying our overdue bills, right? Uh, I mean, you know, it's not a good thing if we're 30 days behind on something, but hooray, I'm thinking about it. I'll write the check and take care of it. When it turns, though, into something unproductive, 
is when we start assuming things about ourselves and about the world because of it. So when you start saying to yourself, good Lord, how stupid could you be, Larry? How could you actually rack up $12.85 in library funds? They teach seven-year-old children how to deal with the library better than this. Are you really that stupid? And when you start making categorical assumptions like that, when you start ruminating on it, right? Oh, if only I would have paid that bill last month, then there wouldn't be the, you know, the interest charge on it. And if only, right? And when you start playing the if only games, you are actually digging yourself a deeper hole to be in, right? We all have things that didn't quite go right. We all make negative choices. When we move on, we are instantly forgiven. It's the nature of God to forgive us the instant we change our thoughts and behaviors. That's all that's required. You don't need absolution. You don't need to to be put in prison for 30 years. You don't need to do anything other than to change your thoughts and behaviors. And God, now it may not be true about the court system or other people, but in terms of God, you are instantly forgiven as soon as you change your thinking and your thoughts. You've, in a sense, become the new person. You are clean. It's a wonderful thing. And we're going to talk some more on how to achieve that today. What else can we do? So we can stop. We can also argue with ourselves a little bit. Now, does anyone here actually talk to themselves? (laughs) All right. I thought so. I had you kind of, I had most of you pegged for that. All right. So one of the things that, believe it or not, can actually be useful is when we have some negative thinking, let's counter it in our own head with some positive thinking or at least some questioning. So, so you might question yourself, well, is there really any benefit to me thinking that I'm stupid? Right? Not really. Is there any benefit to me thinking that, uh, that only a seven-year-old uh, would be smarter than me to get my library fines taken care of? Not really. So when we begin to question our own thoughts, this is a good thing because we can take corrective action. So the next piece of this is corrective action. What would be better for me to be thinking Might it not be better to actually think, Larry, you're a pretty organized guy. I can just put the library books in the car and we're halfway there. Do you see how I turned a negative situation into a positive mental construction? Larry, this is no big deal. You're perfectly capable of getting those library books in. You, you have till Tuesday before they add another $4 to it. No, 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 no big deal, right? I'm reassuring myself that it, and of course I'm using the most trivial example on the planet, but most of our lives have pretty important things going on in them, don't they? So let's upscale our ability to plant new seeds of thought, new ways of being into our heads when the negative comes up. What if you're having a a relationship with someone really important to you, a a spouse or a a family member that has just gone haywire? Is it useful to think that marriages are just tough and I've probably failed in this one too? Not really useful. 
Instead, maybe it's time to begin cultivating the thoughts that we would really like to have. You know what? I am absolutely up for a marriage in which both people are honored, in which we trust each other and we're building intimacy. I claim that, I stand for that, and I begin to having more thoughts about it. Maybe that would be a better way of thinking than some of the negativity that, po- that pops up. I was counseling a, a couple last year, and uh, you know they came armed with the 35 reasons why they shouldn't be together. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm surprised you made it here. I'm surprised, I'm surprised the car would let you be in it together, right? It's like when we plan for our failures, don't be surprised, right? Our thoughts become things. And when we plan for our success, likewise, our thoughts will become things. All right, so how do we put this into action? So far, mostly theory, right? We're, we're going to stop the negative thinking. We're going to replace it with positive thinking. That's a great theory. And I think it will lead it into our joke for today. <laughs> and I have to apologize. This is the world's longest joke. If you fall asleep, it's okay. So Michael is an out-of-work actor. He gets a call from his agent. Okay, Michael, I've got good news for you, and I have bad news. The good news, it's in the old Vic Theater. It's Shakespeare, Michael. Well, what's the bad news? Well, I'm afraid it's a walk-on part. You only have one line, and the line is, Hark, my lord, I hear the cannons roar. Well, Michael's okay with that. It's, it's the old Vic. It's Shakespeare. It's London. No problem. So he practices at the theater. He learns his blocking from the assistant director. And for the rest of the week, when he's shaving, whether he's ironing, whether he's watching TV, you name it, he's practicing his line. Hark, my lord, I hear the cannons roar. Hark, my lord, I hear the cannons roar. Well, it's the night of the performance, and he goes out with friends for an early dinner. But frankly, he has a little too much wine. He loses track of time, and he realizes he has 40 minutes before he's on stage. He catches a cab. He makes it to the theater as fast as he can. He gets to the back door. They let him in. Michael, you better hurry. You're on stage in five minutes. So he runs to make up. He throws on his costume. He's quickly made up, and he's running down the side of the stage, And he realizes he's on the wrong side of the stage. So he sprints as fast as he can to the other side. And he is literally thrown onto the stage by the assistant minister, uh, the assistant manager, when there's, I know, yeah, already blown this joke, when he's literally thrown onto the stage by the assistant manager and there's this sudden, almighty, huge bang and flash behind him. Well, he jumps forward on stage in great fright and screams, oh my God, what the hell was that? (laughs) I know, and I ran out of breath just telling it. So the thing is, the thing is, you got to have a plan. You can't just wait to be thrown out on stage and really not know what's going on, right? If you want to change your thinking, you actually have to make some plans. 
Do you know what I would like more than anything else on this world? It would be if even half of you would do this week's homework. Your homework this week is to make a plan on how you're going to begin changing your thinking. And I'll give you some hints. Some people use little rubber bands. Have you ever noticed people, I mean, they're, they're the ones that stand for like an athletic event or something like that. But have you noticed that some people are wearing what looks just like a, like a plain, more or less rubber band? They have been inducted into the thought thinking program somewhere. And it's not just at our church. Lots of spiritual centers, lots of uh, behavioral modification programs use it. It's part of that stop technique. And I would actually recommend it. If you notice yourself dragging yourself down, having negative thoughts, ruminating, if your self-talk isn't what you'd like it to be, it's a wonderful practice because when you catch yourself, you, you snap the rubber band and you actually get some tactile feedback that helps anchor <laughs> that helps anchor in your mind what you would rather be doing so you you have the negative thought or you notice that you're ruminating you you snap the rubber band and then you immediately attempt to replace it with something positive it's a very powerful method i know it sounds kind of corny it sounds kind of silly and yet it's actually really powerful that would be one thing i would suggest Another thing that I could suggest that you do, and, and, and again, this might be one you'd want to take on as part of your homework of coming up with a plan, is to simply write out every day what you would like your day or your life to be like. So in the morning as you're, you're getting ready, you know, maybe you put your clothes on, you're sitting down for breakfast or whatever, simply sit down with a, a blank sheet of paper or a journal and just write down maybe five minutes worth of how you would like that day or maybe an issue that you're working on in general to go. So it might be, you know, my day at work is really productive, I get a lot done and I feel like I'm in the zone. Or you might write down something like, uh, uh, my intention is to call my daughter lately and we will get through the telephone call in peace, in love, and in harmony. Do you see what I'm saying? So we're going to affirm, if you will, in our, in our notebook or just on a sheet of paper every day, the things that are going to go right for us. The things that we would like to see happen. And now, will they all happen? Some will, some won't. But what I know is that our thoughts become things. Now, maybe not in that instant of writing it, but the more we affirm something, the more that we have positive beliefs and thoughts going on in our head, the more likely we are to notice that out in the real world. The more likely we are to put forward our part of whatever is necessary to have that happen. So often, I think we're like the, the guy going on stage at the Old Vic. Life just kind of propels us onto the stage, and we hope for the best. And if there's a, a really loud noise, we don't even notice that it's part of our role <laughs> to deal with it, right? It's because we need that level of awareness on what we want to have, what we choose to have, and how we're going to show up and act in it. And so, again, back to the homework. The homework is, what's your plan? 
Each of us, I'm sure, have things we want to accomplish this year. It might be repairing a relationship that hasn't gone that well. It may be, uh, I don't know, a new job or a promotion. It may be uh, bringing greater intimacy into your, your marriage or your primary relationship. It might be uh, getting along better with people that are important to you or coworkers. <laughs> um, any number of things you may, well, you know, sometimes we want to get along with them and sometimes we just need to get along with them. Either one's fine. Either one's fine. Whatever it is that's in your heart to improve this year, the improvement starts here. And you can make a plan around it. Whether it be doing daily journaling, whether it be a gratitude journal at night, whether it be daily prayer or just writing out our intentions for how the day should go, whether it's stopping our negative thoughts by, uh, by using the rubber band technique or some other technique, we owe it to ourselves. If our life is to get better, it starts in our mind. And if our mind is to get better, it starts truly with a plan, with our intentions for making improvements. I'm going to close today um, with a final quote that comes from the fourth chapter of the Science of Mind that we've been reading. And here's what Ernest Holmes says in conclusion to this whole idea of back to basics. He says, a new light is coming into the world. We are on the borderland of a new experience and a new existence. The veil between spirit and matter is so very thin. The invisible passes into visibility through our faith and through our belief in it. This is in line with the evolution of the great presence, the thing itself, God, and nothing, nothing ultimately will hinder it. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one, one life and one goodness. And what I know about, about this thing is that it is God and that it is everything. Truly, as we said in week one, every person, every place, everything, every, every grand adventure, all of it, all of it is God. And because of that, I know that I'm included. I know that means me. I know that my, my consciousness is part of God's consciousness. My, my love is part of God's love. My joy, my peace, my happiness is part of God's greater experience of those things. And as I claim what I wish to have, as I, as I reorganize and take dominion over my thoughts, my thoughts become things. And as this is true for me, I know without question that it is true for everyone within the hearing of my voice, everyone truly on the planet, their thoughts become things. And so on this day, for each person here and beyond, I claim perhaps a greater willingness to take dominion over those thoughts, to begin to put together a plan for improvement of knowing that the more thoughts to the positive, the greater the positive life. The more thoughts towards love, the, the more loving my relationships come. The more um, peaceful I am, the greater I see peace magnified on the outside world. The, the greater that I treat myself and my life with abundance and, and thoughts of, uh, of, of abundance that, that truly the world gets richer. And so it is in gratitude that I acknowledge this great truth, this law of being, 
And in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I simply let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.